You're listening to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast, a show where your hosts, Darian and Ethan, discuss the controversial topics often avoided by the church. They also discuss culture, society, and everyday goofs. And now, Darian and Ethan. Woo! It's good to be back, everybody. These are things you don't hear in (laughs) You take over. (laughs) Where's Rachel? (laughs) This is the things you don't hear in church podcast. Or the other. I'm your host, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be so annoying if we did that all episode. (laughs) Or even any longer than we just did it for. My voice just biffed out there. Hello, welcome back. Welcome. We got an exciting topic today. (laughs) Anything you want to talk about before that, though? Keep them, um, keep them in suspense. Um, I'm gonna we, go press a button on the computer. You just. I talk. You me. go press button. I press button on the computer. Okay. You can't see me. Today we're talking about God. Crazy. Has that ever happened before? They don't talk about him because they don't talk much. about the church. <laughs> just kidding. They do. They just talk about how to have your best life now. They do. No, not my church, dude. Mine either. Yeah. Well, who's uh, lying then? A stupid pillow. <laughs> this is the the worst start to episode we've ever had. <laughs> no, this is pretty funny. Hope you enjoy it. Anyone yeah. who's on audio, that's just awkward for you. I mean, we've, to think about it, we've had so many different places where we've recorded this show. I was thinking, like, if we ever have a last episode in, like, a thousand episodes or something like you that. You stopped talking about that last episode. No, hold on. Never. If we ever have a, a, a last episode in a thousand episodes or whatever, um, we should do it in the back of a minivan. Yes. Like, where we used to do them. Um, because we used to have our podcast in this room that was really hot all the time we couldn't have the ac on because our mic was so bad we would always pick <laughs> it up and we had to have it on like this mode where it could hear everything in the room yeah. because we only had one mic yeah and we both had to use it the good old days. and so we'd pick up like the fridge and the ac and everything it just didn't sound good at all and so we and it, we had to turn all those things off um but we get so hot in that room because we live in hawaii that we decided to do it in this van because it was outside, we got to have the windows open. Creaked a little bit, but at night though, yeah, it at was night. like so. It was like ten at night. We'd start, <laughs> and we'd do it in this van. And we had this parking lot. It was dark van. Yeah, with just the us, and it's like it's really good for quality because all the yeah all the cushions absorb like the quiet. noise. Yeah, it was nice, but it also got super hot in there too. Mm-hmm. Is there any way we could change the time on the recorder? Oh right yeah, now? I can also do that too. You should do it. That uh, you should get it. What a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but if we ever have a last episode, we should record it in the back of a van. Because we move around all the time. Like, we had a lot of our episodes in this office, in an office that we're not in right now, but in an office. Um, and then we switched from that office to our friend's house. And then we switched from that house to another office that, like, got changed. And uh, and then that, like, schedule got thrown off, so we just randomly did it one day in our room. And now we've been doing it in our room ever since. And we and, said, wow, this is way better. Yeah, the last, like, 10 or 15 episodes have been in our room um so yeah i mean it has been good i would say it doesn't look as good because like we're on a couch so it looks like a little bit different um, yeah, I, I like it but i mean it's more comfortable for us and it sounds better it's more like it fits into our schedule whenever we want to do it no better we just kick our roommate very out. better <laughs> just kick ben out <laughs> ben's a roommate yeah he's the guy you hear in the beginning introduce the show yeah and uh we say hey we're recording tonight yeah and he goes and edits videos in his in his office yeah he's a great guy we love him thanks ben anyways now that we're four minutes in, um, which isn't <laughs> we've had a bunch of technical difficulties. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about today. Um, before I start using big words, basically we're talking about Jesus and how Jesus was both man and God. This concept is called the hypostatic union, and we've talked about it a little bit, right? Um, it's a paradoxical relationship between 
um, Christ being God and man, mm-hmm. um, just to describe what it is a little bit, and then we can get into some scripture around it, sort of. Um, the hypostatic union is an impossibility, um, but it's a necessary impossibility. Yeah, it is. It's not but, impossible. No. It's like a, a reality. I know. I just said <laughs> it's, it's a necessary impossibility. Okay. Okay. Thanks. You <laughs> said okay. Thanks. Philosophically, those are the correct terms. It's a necessary impossibility, which okay, which is what I know what I'm talking. About. Which is what which is what that is. Like it's a paradox, and paradoxes are impossible, but some of them are necessary for existence. In in any worldview, there are there are necessary impossibilities. Philosophy sometimes I think is like. Not not that it's dumb, but I think these wordings are so stupid. Like, it's a necessary impossibility. Impossible means not able to be done. Yeah, it's but not cle- able to be done. That's a good but clearly, definition. How, how clearly, would you, how would you but, describe it? Clearly, what, the hypostatic union? Yeah. I would say it's a fixed fact of the universe. That's impossible? Question mark? No, it's possible because it, it happens. The sheer fact that it exists means it's not impossible. Explain to me its possibility. It is real. How is it possible that God could both be 100% man yeah. but also 100% god because it, how it, could one being be 200% a being because it is but it's yeah, like but it's an impossibility no it's not but it's, it's, it's a necessary it, it impossibility clearly is a reality okay so it's clearly not maybe not clearly which is what which is the necessary part of it but that's just a possibility or maybe not possibility as possible, like, oh, maybe, like, because if you say it's possible, then it implies that maybe it can be done again by another person. But I would say maybe not a possibility, but just the static truth. Okay, anyways, um, <laughs> the, the, we're talking about the hypostatic union, and we, I, we just explained it, kind of. It's just it's the... Jesus being both God and man. Yeah, 200% one being, right? Because the Bible says that in uh, Colossians, let me find it actually, so I don't just Colossians it. four. I Do you think? remember it? Uh, three or four. It's Colossians two nine. Uh, it says that was very not accurate. If we're trying to say the same verse, um, we are. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Right. So usually, God doesn't have a body. Right. He is God mm-hmm. outside of all created order, and bodies are inside the created order. Right. Inside of time, they have limitations. They have created points. Right. Um, but you do right 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 our bodies so but but christ um the fullness of his deity dwelt bodily in a creation right yeah which is interesting Uh um and we can get into like the physics of that in a little bit but the idea is that 100 percent of god is human and that he has experienced everything on this earth as a human would and that he is human but he is also 100 percent god right so being all knowledgeable all powerful um, everywhere, all of those things. Right. He right. Has all so, those like, things. if he is omnipresent, how is he Jesus just walking around Earth? Because he seems he's right, not omni. Right. There's a lot of questions that have to go with that. Like, how does that paradox work? So, today we're going to talk about some of the most interesting parts and paradoxes inside of this paradox that is the hypostatic union. Um, you could say this necessary impossibility that is the hypostatic <laughs> the union. static truth of the universe. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about it a little bit, bring up some objections, um, and then, you know, just play around with it. Like a little bit of like a, um, a mental fun question to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yep. So one of the first things we wanted to talk about is how could Jesus grow in wisdom if he is also God, right? Yeah. Because God has all wisdom, right? If, if wisdom is just applied knowledge, which is the definition that I know of it, yep. um, then 
and maybe you could you could get out some different uh, biblical definitions between God's wisdom and our wisdom and stuff like that. But just for the sake of this this yeah. discussion, if we're considering wisdom to be applied knowledge, uh, correctly applied knowledge, right? Then technically God would have all wisdom because He has all knowledge and can't misuse the knowledge, and so all of that knowledge being correctly applied by God would be perfect wisdom, which is what mm-hmm. He has. Yeah. And so if Christ is completely God and completely man, how could he be lacking in knowledge and grow in it as a child, right? But also still be um, God. Let me go to that verse where uh, where it says that he grew in wisdom and stature. Is your background Aubrey? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> background well, his, on my phone is Aubrey. The background of his phone is one of our friends. Yeah. Uh, so in Luke 2... Uh, 52 it says and jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with god and man yeah really interesting you have any thoughts yeah so i yawned um so part of coming to this question and answering or answering these questions is you just have to kind of agree with the fact that he was fully god and fully man mm-hmm. and then you can talk about it because yeah. if you don't agree that he's fully god and fully man then you have to start farther back to get to the point to answer these questions right right unless you just say he was a man in right relationship with god and therefore he grew and so you can also the same way which has been said in some books by some evangelical leaders which i don't agree with and is heretical and is heretical well you're heretical yeah technically i'm heretical anything that this we're not heretic guys i do not i'm not well some of our beliefs might be heretical Heretic- if heretical is just the definition by definition um, a differing from the mainstream of Christianity, I'm sure everybody believes something that's a little bit heretical. That's true. Anyway, you're a heretic too. Not, not, not important. Stop looking at me like that. But 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 uh, but undeifying or uh, yeah. What's undeifying? What's that word? Uh, I don't. Know. I think you just said it. I don't know. But making Jesus less than God. Yeah. Is like you're just the worst heresy. You just you could can't be Christian. Up. Yeah. I'm not saying this guy is not a Christian. I think he, if you ask him, he'd probably redefine what he meant. But mm. if you don't accept Jesus as God, you're not a Christian. That's just basic Christianity. Right. Right. And so... 100% God also. Yeah, 100% God. And he's yeah. not like it was man that became God. He was God who became man who mm. is God and has always been both. Like right. in John, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and yeah. the word was God. And then it says the word in became the man. Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. From the dawn of creation which mm-hmm. is weird well creation yeah but from all existence god has always been man and god mm-hmm. and spirit yeah like there's a father son holy spirit mm-hmm. so it's the trinity so before you if if you don't understand don't the trinity which we don't have time for and really when i say understand i mean like kind of accept if you don't believe in the trinity then you need then you can't believe in the hypostatic union. Yeah. And if you don't believe in the hypostatic union, then you can't answer the questions about how could he grow in wisdom and mm. knowledge because there's so many things you have to understand before. So we're coming with a presupposition that the Trinity is true, mm-hmm. that the hypostatic union is real and mm. uh, does not invalidate Christianity, but it just makes it God more amazing. Yeah. And so that's where we're coming from. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, the aspect of him being fully man, I would say um, he gave up part of his divine knowledge mm-hmm. as when as his when he, came to, when he came to earth yeah. yeah his human part on earth yeah gave up his his not his part of his divine knowledge mm-hmm. when he came to earth to do his mission yeah that's not saying he did it his human nature in heaven doesn't have it i think mm-hmm. his jesus's glorified body his in his heaven has yeah. yeah his deity nature 
as being in heaven still has all of the wisdom that the yeah. Father and the Holy Spirit have, but he kind of put it on the shelf when he came to earth, mm-hmm. you know? And so him saying growing in wisdom and stature, I would say, is not any more different than, like, you train a kid how to use the bathroom and be potty trained. Like, he had to learn how to potty train. He had to learn how to speak. He had to yeah. learn how to use respectful language talking to adults. He had mm-hmm. to learn social orders and constructs and how to to exist in those, yeah. right? Those were things that, as a kid, naturally, he just had to learn. Yeah. And so I think he just was blessed in that aspect. Yeah. To, to bring clarity, just to what you said really fast, in case anybody misinterpreted it or heard it incorrectly, um, God was... Christ was still fully God and fully man, right? He never gave up as God any part of himself being God, but the human part of himself is him giving up part of that because he is existing in this human body, right? So the human form of him has to still grow um, and learn and gain knowledge and apply that as wisdom and all that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and gain favor with God as the, as the verse goes um, and with man. So the human part of him is growing while the, the God part of him is always staying the same, right? As being in de- by definition God. Yeah. yeah, and I would say his access to divine knowledge or unlimited knowledge was maybe limited for his 30-some years right. here. So the human part of him was limited from accessing that part of him that is that is God and fully God, right? Yeah. Right, so it's just that the human part of him wasn't giving privy, wasn't privy to the knowledge of him, of all the knowledge that he has as being God. Yeah. Yeah. I always think it's interesting to ask when he knew he was G- he, when he knew he was God. Yeah, it's interesting. It's I, I think at least at some point when he was twelve years old he knew because he was yeah he was teaching and he's like I have to be about my father's business right. So he had something he had some knowledge, but like how weird would that be to say to like a eleven year old, ten year old, eight year old, hey I'm, I'm God. You hey hey Jesus, I just want you to know like Joseph isn't your biological father. God Yahweh is your mm. your Yahweh. <laughs> Or if he just kind of like knew, he's just like, this is who I am. I would imagine a part of him knew just from my own thoughts, yeah. but uh, it's impossible to know, I would say. Yeah, it's a necessary impossibility, as yeah. Derry would say. Yes. All right, <laughs> ready to move on to the next question? Yeah. All right, so the next interesting question about the hypostatic union that we have um, is, why did Jesus not know when he would return? Right? So yeah. there's this verse in Matthew 24, 36 in the ESV, and it says, um, but concerning that day, so the day he would return, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. Yeah. Right? It's also um, repeated in uh, Mark or, and John. Yeah. Mark and John say, or echoed if you're yeah. super charismatic. Just, I think John. Uh, definitely, definitely Mark. Mark. Definitely Mark. Yeah, definitely Mark. Yeah. Uh, Mark thirteen thirty two. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> um, so that whole passage, to give you some context, is talking about... His disciples are like looking at everything and they're like, how beautiful are these like buildings, Jesus? And he's like, and they're talking about the temple, the temple where the Jews would go and worship, mm-hmm. which was not the same temple in the whole, in the Old Testament where they worshiped. It was a lot different. This was a temple that Herod made mm-hmm. that was not built to the guidelines that God commanded in the Old Testament. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like God's designated temple. That temple did get destroyed in the Old Testament, which was prophesied um, at some point. Right. And so they rebuilt the temple so they could have a place of worship. And Herod built this thing. It was immaculate. It was amazing. He kind of did it to get the Jew, to do the Jews a favor, so he mm-hmm. could get like political favor with them. Right. Because I'm pretty sure Herod, if I remember correctly, was part like like either married a Jew or was really close or Jew himself or really close to the Jewish community and yeah. wanted their favor. Um. So he made this really grand temple where they could they could bring sacrifices to God and whatnot, and then that kind of became a political power structure where people were like manipulating others to get more money. Hmm. And Jesus goes there and like flips tables and stuff like that and he's wow. like you made my father's house a den of robber a den of thieves whoa 
and it's crazy. Crazy and, than thieves. And so when his him and his disciples are walking around, they're like, Jesus, look at this. This is amazing. And he's like, do you see everything here? Um, sorry, my alarm went off. Um, he said, do you see everything here? Um, not one stone will be left upon itself. Basically saying like, this is going to be destroyed, hmm. which for Jewish community is like the worst thing could happen. So right. he's like, oh, what? And then he's like, well, when? Jesus, when is this going to happen? When are you going to come back? And like, they asked three, they have three requests. It's like, when will the temple be destroyed? When is the resurrection? When are you going to come back? Or yeah. something like that. Or yeah. when is the end of the age? And he goes through and kind of starts talking about it all. And then he says, mm-hmm. but for when I return, when the son of man returns, like it's neither for, it's only the father in heaven knows it's neither for mm-hmm. the angels nor the son of man. Hmm. But, and then, but then he gives instructions, but like pray this. And then he tells him to do, to do something in the meantime. Hmm. And so it's kind of like, Jesus, like, when are we, when, when is this all going to happen? And he basically says like the overall message I would say would be like, Hey, it's not for you to worry about when all these things are going to happen. Mm. What you need to worry about now is evangelizing and spreading the kingdom of God and mm. getting people saved. That's not to cop out in the answer and say, and deflect. That's just to say, like, as long as we narrow down that we can walk away with the aspect that, okay, we need to be about the father's business, just yeah. like Jesus was. Then we can, once we're okay with that, we can move on and answer the question, which mm. I will do now. Um, I would say just like nice. the limited understanding or wisdom that he had on earth when he was growing in wisdom and stature, mm-hmm. I would say that could potentially could be an earthly thing mm-hmm. that it says neither is it for the son. That could be just for his time on earth. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I don't know. It's not for me to know right now. All I know is I have a mission I need to complete. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes to heaven, because he's part of the Trinity, it doesn't seem like there would be any reason why that part would be denied to him the mm-hmm. Trin- in the Trinity. And so I don't, think that he doesn't know i think it's just when he was on earth he wasn't aware of that and so he's just like i don't know but yeah. we, i do know what we do have to focus on yeah yeah i think that's as far as you can really answer the question right because all mm-hmm. the rest of it is just speculation it's kind of the same answer as the first one yeah yeah all righty next question very interesting um if jesus is god how did he pray to god right, right. you want to take this see, one yeah you see over and over in the bible right like jesus intensely in prayer right um, Mount of Olives, all night. he's like sweating blood because he's praying so hard um, and so like emotional about what's going to happen because he knows what's going to happen, right? We see it over and over and over, Christ teaching his disciples how to pray, him praying himself. And so you ask the question, why is God like just praying to himself? Because he is God, right? How could he be praying to himself? And I think there's there's two different ways to sort of look at this. I think one is what we've already described in that Christ is maybe praying as the human form of himself, praying to God right? Or praying to himself, whatever. Um, But I think maybe a more clear picture is that the son is always displayed speaking to the father, right? And so you can see a clear relationship, whether or not you want to think it's um, just the relationship that Christ as God has to Christ, the deity part of him, which is all just one, right? Mm. Um, Whether you think it's that, or you think it's that Christ um, in his fullness of being the son, right, is having communion with the Father, right, in the Spirit. Because he, he usually says um, that he'll talk to the Father. Jesus is mentioned as um, our great mediator, and he's the main mediator between, or the only mediator between us and the Father, right? Um, there's always that um, that relationship between Christ, the Son, and uh, God, the Father, right? And they're always speaking to each other, communicating between each other. And so I think my understanding of it is more that Christ isn't necessarily... Or I don't like to think of it as Christ necessarily communicating to himself, um, but rather Christ having this relationship within the Trinity to the Father, right? And always speaking to the Father 
And that's like the, the image that we get of him on the earth, of God on the earth as the son, having a relationship with God, the father, right? Yeah. Uh, where he usually is. So that would be my, my understanding of it, is that it's a more a version of the uh, the Trinity and a picture of the relationship God has to the father. Um, you mean to Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Christ, God, has oh, to okay. uh, the father, God, God. also. Yeah. Um, and the, it's not like three separate things. That's mm-hmm. not what the Trinity is. The Trinity is three expressions basically persons persons of the same thing yeah yeah one god through persons right yep is how it's usually displayed we are not heretics and believe that there are three yeah you think that was good or you you think we need yeah. an explanation of that um i like it i think that there's like yeah i think a lot of the limitations we see where mm-hmm. it's like okay how did Je- if jesus is god how come he's limited here it has to go back to like well he's god on earth as mm-hmm. taking on the expression of humanity and mm-hmm. so, like, he's given up some part of his, not given up his divinity and yeah. nature or identity, mm-hmm. but in ability, in, in yeah. a way. In being human, you yeah. technically have to be limited. Yeah. Right? And so I don't think they're, like, the worst um, things to ponder. Like, it doesn't invalidate anything about God. Yeah. It just means, oh, this is just how he was for this time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. All right, I have one last question. Yeah. And I think it's one of the most interesting ones. Yeah. Um, and it has to do with the hypostatic union. And that it's... Um, well, I guess two questions, kind of. The first part is, could Jesus have sinned, right? Because there's the possibility that he couldn't have sinned. So could mm-hmm. he have sinned or could he not have sinned? Um, and then the second part of it is, if he was not capable of sinning, how could he truly be able to sympathize with our weaknesses? Yeah. Right? And um, I think the traditional <laughs> view of this, at least among... Um, um, like the scholars that I've I've read about it, who have been more uh, conservative or reformed, um, so I haven't. I've only I've only cited it under like uh, a reformed guy, um, or at least he was talking about it. Um, and his view was that Christ could not have sinned, and he did not have the option or the ability mm-hmm. to sin, just as God and God's nature. Um, that sin doesn't necessarily like exist to him because he is a standard of goodness and being sin or having sin or doing sin right. is just choosing outside of God. Doing so technically sin. God couldn't choose outside of himself because he would have to become not God to sin. Right. right? I know that's a complicated sentence to understand, um, but if God is just what sin isn't or sin is just what God isn't, right? I guess that would be the, the correct way to say it. Then God could never ever be sin because He would have to stop being Himself and include everything that isn't Himself into Himself. Yeah, it's right? basically like the color red can never have any of the color blue in it, or else it's not the color red. Right. Exactly. So, um, in that way, as the the divine version of, of God, I don't think He could ever have sinned. Right? right. But I think there is the possibility that Christ, being the person and being limited, could have sinned. Um, but I, if someone was to ask me that question and say like you have to choose one or the other. I would say he couldn't have sinned. Yeah, I would say that too. Um, but I think there's an interesting possibility of sin in the limited version of like Christ having a human body, right? Um, I don't think it matters that much um, because I think the next thing we talk about will sort of flush out the actual importance of this question. I don't think mm-hmm. God being able to sin or not being able to sin necessarily has a ton of weight on it because he didn't sin no matter what, right. right? All Christians agree that he didn't sin. So the outcome will always be the same. Yeah. Whether he could have or couldn't have. Um, the question comes into play, though, as of if he couldn't have sinned, right? If the divinity of God couldn't sin, then how could he, like, sympathize with everything that we have gone through, right? Yeah. Um, how could he truly sympathize with our weaknesses, Um 
in those cases. And um, we can talk about it in a second. I would say my answer would be he can sympathize because he would still tempt it in every way that we were. Like, was that your answer? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the only answer, I think. Right? Well, there's just clear scripture for it. And so. Yeah, so. yeah there, I thought you said there. I have the scripture for it. Oh, I do have the scripture for it. Oh. Yeah, but there's also, clear scripture, right? Yeah, I was, I was like, easy answer, and then you just easy spoiled answer. it. <laughs> Slammed it out of the well, park. This is Derry's episode, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he was tempted in every way, yeah. right? But without sin. So we can sympathize with every single way, every sin that we've been tempted with, as him being human, as him his human body being limited in certain ways. Mm-hmm. He was tempted in certain ways to to go outside of his like godness in choosing sin yeah. but he never did right so he was tempted and can and can share in all of the weaknesses and all the limited ways that we are because of um the, like the sin in this world right obviously yeah. christ never had a sin nature um but he was human still yeah so he was still tempted in all the ways that we are so we can still sympathize with all the things that we can sympathize with and that we've been tempted. right i'd say like sin is a result of our weakness Mm -hmm. or our inability right um and our uh, our difference to god Mm -hmm. right like we're different from god in the fact that we sin if we didn't sin we would be god right and so jesus being tempted and experiencing temptation Mm -hmm. is him getting as close to relating to uh, uh, relating to us as much as as the best he can and like uh, as much as he needs to to Mm -hmm. help us right you can feel the temptation but he is God. He is stronger than us. And mm-hmm. so the feeling of the temptation is, I think, the similarity that humans and, and what Jesus experienced. But it's like the result of the two is like, here's humans who are not God. They got tempted. Mm. They fell. Yeah. Here's God. He got tempted. He stood. Yeah. And we both got tempted and therefore he can help us in the temptation. Right. Mm. And be, because he didn't create the human to sin. Like it's not like sin is part of the human original design mm-hmm. temptation is always going to be there mm-hmm. because there is an opportunity to choose yeah free will and so it's the it's the temptation that it makes us relatable it's a temptation that gives us the opportunity like no one sins without being tempted yeah right so the fact that he was tempted and didn't sin makes it possible for him to help us when we are tempted mm-hmm. because we can also choose to give in either to God's grace or to temptation. Mm-hmm. And when we're tempted, it's not that the temptation is innately bad. It's the temptation's there. What choice are you going to make? It's mm-hmm. like an intersection. You yeah. can either continue going straight or you can take a left or right. Mm-hmm. But it's like as if God always just went straight. And I don't think it's possible necessarily for humans to get to the point where they never sin anymore or yeah. else you would have achieved Godhood. Mm-hmm. But there's an aspect where we have to pursue never sinning and God's Well, we'll get to heaven. When we get to heaven, right? Yeah. But on this earth. On this earth, yeah. 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 There's, it's, there seems to be a clear path in, in Scripture that we never, like, attain full sanctification in the form of glorification, the third uh, stage of sanctification Yeah. for all everybody that cares about systematic theology um, until we reach heaven, right? Right. Yeah. So. Very interesting. A couple, couple uh, brief points on the hypostatic union. Now, this is a big, big topic. Oh, yeah. That has, Super has, interesting. Has had a lot of debate that 30 minutes is not nearly yeah. enough to answer every, everything. Every paradox that exists can be talked about forever. Yeah. Because there's there will be continuing, like, problems with it and things that it brings up. But as I said at the beginning, 
is a paradox, so it's impossible, but it's necessary, right? No matter what worldview you have, it's not impossible. it has to be necessary. Like, for example, in a non-Christian worldview, say you, you believe you're a materialist or an evolutionist, right? And you don't believe that there's any uh, deity or any, any cause to the universe. You would just say that, um, that the universe is just cause itself, right? Mm-hmm. So matter is infinite. Um, you would say that that matter came from nothing, right? Because it has to have a beginning point. And so it would come from nothing because nothing's a starting point. Um, and so that nothing would have to have caused something, right? And that in itself is a necessary it's possibility a versus uh, like in your in your yeah. worldview, right? Because yeah. it is impossible for nothing to start something, um, but it would be necessary for that worldview to exist, so it would be a necessary impossibility, just like it's technically impossible for... Um, and I guess I think where you're getting hung up with this is, yeah. is that, um, like for God, nothing is impossible. Right. It's from the human perspective of there are impossibilities within us, right? Yeah. And so to us, that is an impossibility that's necessary as well. Um, for God, he can do whatever he wants, right? Right. So I'm just a, obviously a more holy person because I think yeah, from yeah, a God yeah. perspective. Yeah, 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 a, yeah. You know, I'm just kidding. Right, right, right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back and mm-hmm. listening uh, to a brief conversation on the hypostatic union. Hope it was helpful and gave you some things to think about. You can use that word in discussion with your friends to really just make them feel like, ooh, you're super scholarly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's free Men, of repent charge of pride. right there. Yeah, repent of pride. Yeah. Give that up. Teach your friends. Use your position of more knowledge to teach them and, and serve God through your knowledge. Uh, but yeah, come back and check us out on all the social medias. We got a Patreon. We appreciate your support. Yep. And God's moving and we're grateful. Yep. So share with your mom, your friends, all your friends that may be struggling, send it to your sister, your brother, your younger nephew, his younger nephew, his friend on Minecraft, uh, Roblox friend. Okay. Just <laughs> share it all over the place. Just start posting it everywhere, honestly. Yeah. That'd be great. Thanks. See you guys. Adios. <laughs>